G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the round 12 preview edition as we move into the buy round. So a shorter podcast this week, not, not hugely shorter, just marginally shorter with six games instead of nine, but uh, quality, not quantity is our aim here at the Footyology podcast we are halfway through the season uh it's at a very intriguing stage of proceedings for all sorts of teams the team's doing well and the team's doing terribly and there's a few of them um one of which we're going to talk about in some detail but uh, uh a few teams struggling on the field as well as with issues off the field we of course as always are here and proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Uh, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season with your wagering. Always remember to gamble responsibly, of course. As uh, So big hello to my Footyology podcast co-host, Robert Shaw. How are you going, Shorey? Morning, Rowan. How are you going? Very good, thank you. And um, you're right, this is a case of uh, quality, not quantity, this weekend. Yes, well, um, there's one thing I think uh, people will be expecting us to talk about, which we will talk about briefly, but uh, just quickly, uh, given that we are previewing a round of football. Well, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah, well, it's a really intriguing season, isn't it? Have a look at the the top four or five. You've got Fremantle up there. You've got um, Carlton up there. You've got St Kilda up there. Um, I'm liking this very different-looking ladder. Yeah, and I'm liking the four games that we're going to talk about, including a couple of not-so-keen ones. Western Bulldogs, Geelong, sensational. Melbourne, Sydney, excellent. Hawthorne Pies, I'll call that intriguing. Mm -hmm. Can we get another Hawthorne special on the back of the emotion of the the Pies coming off the Carlton win? And, of course, the a real ripper in Fremantle Lions. And I'm I'm looking forward to hearing and also giving my tips to you. That's a, a good weekend of football. i to say Fremantle-Brisbane, uh, not traditionally one of those games I'd be oh. getting excited about, but uh, you have to be excited about it. It's uh, it's second versus third on the ladder and uh, it, it'll tell us a lot about both sides, I think. So uh, absolutely looking forward to that. However... Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the six games, did you say four? I think you robbed us of two. No, four specials oh, four and a couple specials. of average ones. Yeah, okay. Well, no, unless, you, unless you want to wax lyrical about Adelaide versus Eagles at the Adelaide Oval. Oh, not yeah. particularly, but we'll give it a decent preview. Don't you worry about As that. As we Crows. will with the Suns versus North. Which is in Darwin. Uh, at, oh, is that uh, back in, oh, right. Yeah, at uh, Twilight Saturday. So, no, they played there last week? They did. They did. So I, did question I don't know notice. if they went home or not. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that, and I don't, I don't know the answer, but uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for catching me off guard about 10 seconds. I've got to be careful. I've got to be more careful. I don't know how many times I've got to say it. 
don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. I'll tell you what. Or I don't, don't do a review that you don't know the end result that's, of. That's exactly what I was going to say and uh, very, appro think, very appropriate you've brought that up. Because I, think they've, I think they've done the review in the interviews oh, they've done. Of course they have. It's all uh, it's cut and paste. But uh, good little anyway. uh, yeah, good little pointer to what we're going to talk about in our news segment. Let's do that right now. On Footyology Newsfeed. Okay, apologies up front. I know I say every week we're not going to make this the Essendon show, and this isn't the Essendon show either. However, they're making it the Essendon show, well, they not are. us. They're the most important news story going around as we record this is the absolute turmoil in which Essendon Football Club finds itself and, as you suggest, a turmoil largely of its own making. Why this time? Well, because three weeks ago, Chairman Paul Brasher insisted there be no review of the football department. Um, it was pointed out to him, and I think this is how this came about. Uh, a few people were um, unhappy about the fact that CEO Xavier Campbell had his contract extended, extended by two years and the membership found out about it via the media. Uh, Paul Brasher in correspondence to someone said uh, that was a mistake and um, it, it should have been communicated. And, and I sort of feel like largely off the back of that, he came out and did one of these, and it's the second major one he's done, a sort of 10-minute video to supporters it's a bit Donald Trump-esque. I don't really like this concept. I mean, you don't have to say nothing for six months, then come out and make a big body production of doing a video in which you just fill it with motherhood statements, inaccuracies, and oh, here we go. I'm getting wound up. Anyway, no. he did the video. He on track. Uh, he apologised to members and fans for not having communicated Campbell's extension. But I've got to say, as a public relations move, Rob, this was an absolute disaster because nothing he was going to say was going to pacify what is a very angry fan base. I think they've greatly underestimated how pissed off the fans are. I think there are a lot of uh, platitudes and non-explanations about stuff. I mean, it's, it's not good enough for them just to sit there and say, oh, we're very happy with the performance of the CEO. Um, given that the entire rest of the football world seems to be unhappy with the performance of the CEO, I think you're obliged to tell us on what basis you are happy. We're not just going to be convinced by the board saying, oh, the board unanimously voted to extend his contract. And there was stuff about the performance of the team. Um, the review, as you say, has been preempted by basically saying, well, it's not going to cost people their jobs. Uh, it's going to be about adding to the mix. So that's good. You know, Essendon needs another... Uh, you know, a few dozen people uh, on, on the football department who they can just make scapegoats of later. Um, and the silliest thing of all, and the most nonsensical part of all this, is the fact that the review will be conducted by Director of Football, Sean Wellman, the man who not only uh, looked after the previous football review, which was only 18 months ago, but who basically will be passing judgment on his own work, given that he's the director He's a man in charge of the football department. Do you reckon he's going to come out and 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 say, oh, well, you know, what I found is the football department's running terribly because who's in charge of that? So, you know, if you want to uh, preempt the findings of a review, uh, probably a good way of doing that is by appointing a person to do it um, who is in charge of the department they're supposed to be providing a report on. It's farcical. 
And this club is officially a laughing stock. And I'm angry, I'm embarrassed, I'm heartbroken. But I'm also over it, Rob, because it's just the same things again and again and again. They don't get it, those people. They never will. And if they had any dignity and any class and any clue, they would fall on their swords, resign, get the hell out of there and let people who might be able to turn this titanic of a club around, let them have a shot at it. It's been an interesting week and, um, uh, look, I've been consistent all along. I don't believe it is a pure football issue. I don't believe they should be targeting at a 30-game coach apart from uh, correctly, which they have uh, accepted, um, the need to significant incremental is the word, mm. over transformational. Transformational is a change in leadership, culture, um, direction, strategy. Whereas incremental is adding two place, players to um, additional assistant coaches. Uh, getting, uh, let's use an example of Mark Williams, what he did for Simon Goodwin. Getting Mark Williams to work with Ben Rutten. Getting assistance to Josh Marnie, who has now got four um, teams in which to manage. Um, I, I always, I've made one comment. I think that the um, the part-time director of football, Rowan, on a board that yeah. meets once a month, when you run your own business like Sean Wellman, is a throwback to the 80s, yep. if not the 70s, and that one of the incremental improvements should be that the club dis take away that responsibility from a part-timer and have a director of football programs, which is over the whole lot and reports directly to the CEO and have the coach, the, the, the female component and the football manager report through him. Um, and of course, the, the poor relationship, poor relations at the Essen Football Club at the moment is the VFL side. And, and, and the resources that go into that or being distributed away from that is sad. It sees them on the bottom of the ladder. And then they say, well, hang on, we've got to bolster player development. They were told this two or three years ago. So what I was saying quickly, Rowan, is an external review on decision-making and the processes should be transformational. You know? Yeah, no, I couldn't have well put. And I'm glad you brought the VFL stuff up because it gets mentioned, but people aren't sort of aware what happened. So essentially, the thing was just left to swing in the breeze. They didn't do anything about the VFL program when the competition went into recess back in 2020. At a crucial time when things were being prepared for the following season, that was when they offloaded Dan Richardson as football manager. There was that crucial period where Xavier Campbell was not only the CEO of the club, he was the acting football manager of the club. And I, I know this for a fact, that the, the VFL program, just nothing happened with it. So all these players who desperately needed certainty about their futures went elsewhere. And that's why the side is as weak as it is now. It's why the senior listed players get precious little development because they're playing in a side that's no good. And that is a failure of administration. Now, you know, this is, we keep coming back to the thing that the, the on-field stuff, yeah, that's what everyone's on about. 
But the on-field stuff can only ever be as good as the administration of the club allows it to be. And this club is not being run well. Here's another example, Rob. Okay, mm-hmm. they, they've got that dinner for the 150th birthday. Now, I've been, I, I had a crack about this on Twitter. Tickets are being sold for $495. It is a ridiculous price to ask someone to pay for a dinner that all members and fans of this club should be able to attend. Well, my information is that the ticketing for this or the arrangements for this dinner were, were made and people were notified late that that's been an issue. They were banking on something like five to 600 former players being part of it because they were all invited along. I, my understanding is the response of former players has been pretty uh, ordinary, that uh, a small, far smaller percentage than they were banking on have is actually... Is that a fact, res- Rowan? Well, is a- this is what I'm told. Right. And as Good. a result of that shortfall, the ticket prices have had to be jacked up from 300 and whatever they were going to be to 495. Again, lack of organisation. In fact, I've been told about someone who had yet to receive an invite to this dinner. And and I'm not going to say who it is, but if you knew who it was, you would just, you'd be absolutely gobsmacked at the disrespect shown to Essendon royalty. It's this sort of stuff. And yet they're quick on the draw with emails about merchandise. They're quick on the draw with emails about, you know, discounts at the bomber shop, all that crap that every Essendon member, you know, opens their inbox and just goes, oh, here we go. Here's another one. Wednesday wallpaper. You know, let's let's look at some great shots of a loss. You know, let's not talk about actually losing games or anything unpleasant like that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone knows this story. But my point here is, that it's no surprise, given that background, that the side performs as poorly as it does, that there appears to be genuine disharmony between the playing group, to wit, Darcy Parrish having that little tiff with Dyson Heppel. Um, you know, I know you've been big on this about the the new headquarters at Tullamarine. It is a soulless environment. Now, I know Paul Brasher has sort of corrected you on that. In fact, there's a story in the Herald Sunday Day in which you're quoted about this and talking about the soul of Essendon being lost in that move. Paul Brasher disputes that. Well, I'll tell you what, I haven't been out there for a while, admittedly, but it's one of the least welcoming AFL club uh, environments I can ever remember being in. Well, yeah, look, no problem with Paul correcting me in his opinion. My point of view was it is a wonderful facility And that's where Paul's getting a little bit confused, I think, with what I said. I said it was a wonderful facility and players have the best of everything. Okay, I've got a quote from him here. Just let me say this because this mm. goes to what you're saying. There's a quote from Paul Brasher. He says, is it Windy Hill? No, of course not. It's not 150 years old. But I don't think it lacks soul. I don't think the players would believe that. Now, that to me just sums up the problem with this club. How would the players know if they haven't been at, at Windy Hill? Well, that, this is what they've been used to. But not just that. It doesn't matter what the players think. It's not the players who to determine whether a club has a soul. It's the support base. You absolute muppets. I mean, this is this sort of incestuous, cocoon-like thing that the Essendon Football yeah. Club has become expert at. Stuff what the players think. It's a workplace for them. It should be a heart and soul place for the fans. They should want to go there. They should see the history. 
They should feel welcome when they go there and they should be able to go to a birthday dinner and not have to give up half their bloody annual wage to be able to go. All right. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. but no, it's... Yeah, I'll just cool you down a little bit. No, Paul and I would agree, and I'm happy to discuss that with him any time and debate the issue on club versus facility. And uh, I, I, uh, I've been out there many times. I actually, um, Paul said he doesn't know if Robert's been out to the, the hangar for quite some time. I haven't seen the recent additions, but I did was employed there at the club. I worked there for a year, for 30 weeks until COVID meant a lot of us had to be moved on and that was fair enough. But I don't think it's a club where people or our members, um, are they welcome? They're welcome, but do they feel welcome? Not sure about having to sit on dirt to watch training. I'm not sure about the facilities provided for our people out there. Certainly, the club goes there and they've got, the players go there and they've got everything. Mine was about club over facility, soul over structure. Yeah, well, there you go. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll stick with that any day of the week because the, the, the outcome of the move has resulted in what? What, what, what are the, if you make an investment in the hangar, you require a dividend on that. And what has been the dividend paid out? Nothing. Well, not in terms of on-field success, no. No. Quite, quite no. the reverse. So you it, can have, so you've either got the North Melbourne facilities with one weight bar producing the culture that they did through the 90s, 80s and 70s, or have you got the best facility in the AFL that doesn't appear to be lending itself to a an environment of inclusivity, um, enjoyment, involvement and emotion. And that's my point. And uh, Paul, I'm happy to discuss that with you any time over a cup of coffee. It's not personal, but um, we're allowed to differ in our opinions. Well, particularly too, when this support base has been through what it's been through. I mean, you know, not only have they been denied any decent on-field success in more than 20 years, they've been through the, the supplement scandal um, they've seen their side thrown out of a final series that had qualified for. I'm not saying that shouldn't have happened, incidentally, but, you know, it's a that was a shocker for a fan. They've watched their side play an entire season with a virtual reserves team, knowing that they were barely going to win a game as a result of that scandal. And they've continued to stump up. The membership's gone up. They've put their hand in their pocket again and again and again. And what do they get for that? They get these sort of patronising videos. And you know what? They are patronising, Rob. You know, I really hated the fact that you know they made he made such a big deal about coming out and saying, "Well, this review is going to be done by Sean Wellman and Kevin Sheedy and Simon Madden are going to be part of it too." Sorry, are we back in 1985 or something? That's not to disrespect the enormous contributions of Kevin Sheedy and Simon Madden to the Essendon Footy Club, but you know, have a look at any club that's done any sort of review in the last ten years. You're looking at using people whose involvement in the football world is a bit more contemporary than those two guys, as revered as they are. And and the two reviews that come to mind were the best ones were by external people. Um, well, uh, well, this is a Carlton, Carlton. Carlton went through their joint. This this now, is a, this is a club that has time and time again refused to look outside its own backyard 
And what was the most significant appointment the club's ever made in its history? It was Kevin Sheedy as coach. He came from outside. Came from Richmond. You know, just just on the field too, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. So Paul Brescia today in a, like a follow-up interview on SEN was talking about um, the amount of faith he has in this list and he thinks they are capable of winning a flag within three years. Now, I know I've talked about this a bit, but I just think this current list is so chronically overrated by people internally. Proof of that to me is in that video yesterday, he made a big deal about saying, after the bye, we're going to get back Jake Stringer, James Stewart, Kyle Langford, and Will Snelling. He said there was a combined, I think, 450 games experience. Well, first of all, it's closer to about 350. But with all due respect to those guys, we're not talking Dick Reynolds, Bill Hutchison, John Coleman, and James Hurd, are we? You know, Stringer, great. Great player, all-Australian player. Will Snelling tries his guts out, but he was a pickup in the mid-season draft. James Stewart is has been a fringe player at best at Essendon until, in desperation, he was moved to defence. Cole Langford has just signed a four-year deal, and he's one of Essendon's better players. But as I think I said on this podcast, you know, 15 years ago, he would have been the 22nd player picked in the side. Really, we're passing those four guys off as being crucial players to Essendon's long-term playing future? Well, it's pretty important that um, they don't overlook the improvement of uh, Perkins, Hobbs and Durham. I hope, um, you know, they've moved in front of Snelling, in in my humble opinion, and you're quite right about him. A terrific opportunity in the mid-season draft, did a great job, um, plenty of heart, but I think we're seeing a real emergence with opportunity that has come about because of these injuries. And Durham, Corwell, Hobbs, Perkins, I really like. Now, talking about a two- to three-year premiership window, um, he's very keen on going to the trade period again. So we'll be in the mix again, Ron. They say we've got a million dollars. I'll tell you what, a one player with a million dollars is not going to make a lot of difference. But can he recruiting of four players on 200 or three players on 300 or two on 500 will be much better because if you get a Dugowie or a Dustin Martin, I don't know what they would do in the Essendon side, Ryan. They'd come into the same environment. I'd rather see them go and get, you know, it, it, it's it's got nothing to do with the team is what we've said time and time again. The team will evolve. The team will get better. The coach will get better because he's only done 30 games. Hopefully they put people around him. Um, expertise, experience, and technical ability, particularly in the, the areas of player development. Well, this is the most, look, this is my big thing because I'm a teacher, right? And I have spoken about it. I've gone for two jobs there as a player development into, and I didn't get them, right? That's fine. So I'm not looking anymore. I had the opportunities, I didn't get them. But that's a passion for mine. That's why I I asked to be involved. The teaching, development, careers, parents, history, induction, I love that sort of stuff, right? Mm. But it, it is under-resourced. 
the players are underutilized and aren't reaching their maximum potential because of lack of resources. They've Absol got to do that. Absolutely. And the longer it goes on, the worse the problem becomes and the harder it becomes to attract quality staff. Now, okay, here, look, I, I don't want to make this personal, but Essendon's last two football managers, Josh Marnie, the current one, and Dan Richardson, his yeah. predecessor, are two guys who had actually been moved out of those same positions at their previous places of employment. And Essendon picked them up in the roles in which they had just been replaced. Now, that stuff, people notice that stuff. Why has that happened? And it's no, you know, that's no knock on Josh Money. Of course, he is entitled to go for the job. Maybe he's doing a good job now. But it, it's so patently obvious. And again, I know this. You know, he was far from the first choice for that job. And the people who you would think of automatically for those sorts of roles, and okay, yeah. Neil, Neil Barm's one, uh, Brad Scott's another one, they're not going to go within a bull's roar of the Essendon. Michael Vozzo from West Coast Eagles was another one, I believe. Yeah. Well, wh no, why, why would you be interested in talking to Essendon about these positions when you see what happens to other people who have been in those positions, how they've been treated, how they've been made the scapegoat for other people's issues? Why would you go near the place? You wouldn't. So it means that the pool from which they have to select these people is narrower and narrower and narrower, and they don't end up with the best people in those jobs. Someone called us sour, grumpy old men after listening to our podcast, and I'd like them to thank them for listening to our podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think... I, no, I, yeah, I, 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 don't, sour, I, don't, I am I don't grumpy. feel that at all. I don't think that at all. I, I, I feel an ability to constructively analyse... Analyze, I've been consistent. I've been consistent on um, uh, you review from the top down. You don't review from the bottom up. And you must also get external resources to review your own business. Who's reviewing Brash's presidency? Who's reviewing Xavier's CEO? Who's reviewing uh, the commercial operations? The, you know, that. so we take it. That's going really well. Well, I tell you not, it's not going very well because the, the decade, the inability to make football a, a, a number one KPI to develop a terrific football program and culture in football has been a failure over a decade. And yeah. this is so well, you don't have a review because you're two and nine. Every side in the history of the game's been two and nine. Shit happens, Rowan. You have a bad run with the injury. It's not your day. You have a bad draw. You have a good draw. Shit happens. No knee-jerk reactions. Look at why this has gone on for so long. I have no, I'm not even remotely interested in the ladder position, the form. We analyse it here, of course. But it's it, if things happen time and time again, it is it is cultural. It's institutional, right? And it must be looked at. Why is the club like this? Simple as that. And that's all I want to say about it. And um, because I've said it that many times consistently. So okay, we'll get that. all right. No, very, very well said. I've got one thing more left to say on this. And oh, then, and that'd then we... be a surprise. Well, and an absolute shock. 
then we move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, the final thing I wanted to pick up, oh, look, all I can do is address what Brasher said in the video. Now, he made a big deal about stability. Look at what Geelong did. Look at what Melbourne did. Look at what Richmond did. The big yeah. difference in all those cases is that in every case, those clubs had had some success before when things went pear-shaped. Geelong had that shocking season in 06. They'd played a preliminary final in 04 and been one point away from a preliminary final the following year. Melbourne, even Melbourne in 2020, they'd played in a preliminary final in 2018 before they had a disastrous 2019. Richmond in 2016. Yeah, there was nearly a board challenge. Yeah, they nearly sacked Damien Hardwick. But the three years prior to 2016, they'd made finals. And in two of those seasons, they were 15-7. Now, here's the thing. Essendon hasn't won more than 12 games in a season since 2014. Hasn't won a final since 2004. Now, I'm reading my own tweet here. There hasn't been one successful football department appointment in that time, despite a huge turnover of football managers, assistant coaches, you name it, development coaches. There's been one constant during that entire period, and that is the CEO, the man who presided over those appointments. The latest attempt to, to pacify the hordes, while a review of football is now deemed necessary, it apparently isn't concerned with the guy who they just extended for two years, for whom surely the performance of the football program has to be a key performance indicator. Now, that literally makes no sense. It's pretty obvious why Essendon is resistant to an external review, Rob, and that's simply because it would have to, finally, after pointing the finger at everyone else, finally point the finger at the only place left for it to point, and that's those people at the top, the CEO, the chairman, and the entire board of directors who continue to desperately attempt to find scapegoats anywhere but their own backyard. This club... It won't get better until this farcical ass covering ends and those who should be responsible finally accept their responsibility and fall on their swords. As you know, Rob, no one is ever more important than the club. This club is in desperate trouble. I would argue this is the lowest point in its history. It needs new people running it. It needs people with energy and passion and vision at the wheel and its future depends on that. It's an extraordinary stat there you've got. You've obviously... Uh done your homework and 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 it's a i'm not saying this um disrespectfully but whoever is um um preparing paul for this um it, it it's a bad comparison it's it it's a bad comparison with melbourne because of what you said it's a bad comparison with geelong it's irrelevant to the richmond situation you've got to look at the essendon situation it's totally different and uh, I think that's an astounding summation of um, th those comparisons. I hope people are reading that on Rowan's Twitter on Footyology because uh, that'll give you a very, very good indication of, um, I'll say that word again, the, um, the comparisons that are rolled out because they're actually inaccurate. All right, that's enough. Um... Hopefully, we won't have to continue talking about this, but uh, I suspect... God, I hope so. Well, I, I don't think things are going to settle down anytime soon, to be honest. However, we have a round of football coming up, abbreviated though it may be. Six big games to preview. Let's do it. On Footyology, previews with 
punch. Round 12 kicks off Friday evening with a big game at Marvel Stadium, 7.50pm. It is the Western Bulldogs up against Geelong. Uh, interesting odds on this one, thanks to Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Pretty tight, the betting in this one, but the Western Bulldogs are favourites. They are paying $1.80 head-to-head, and the Cats paying $2 head-to-head. Now, the interesting history between these two says that Geelong has been very dominant in these clashes. In fact, the Cats have won 14 of the last 16 clashes against the Bulldogs, all the way back from the 2009 qualifying final and to the end of last season. Their last loss to the Bulldogs was at this same venue in mid-2019. Now, the Doggies starting to come into some pretty good form. They've won three in a row now. And they have recaptured their mojo at this venue. They've won four out of five at Docklands this year. Good wins against Collingwood, Essendon, North Melbourne and Sydney going back. And that was at a time they weren't playing that well. Uh, Geelong, not as good here at Docklands. They are two wins and three losses at this ground since 2018. Doggies starting to get some personnel back and looking better for it. Bailey Smith, he will be a certain starter this week. Um, and the Cats, well, they got uh, still some big names out, number least Paddy Dangerfield, although Gary Rowan and Reese Stanley both aiming to be available for this week's game. Tough one to tip. How are you seeing this one? I think you touched on it. I think over the last week or so that uh, the Bulldogs, I'll touch on the Bulldogs first. They've um, they've got some good players back into their side. Jiraiya came back, English came back, Waitman came back, Keats come back in the last couple of weeks, and of course, Bailey Smith will come back. So, gee, that, that's a good six, especially the fullback, given the fact that uh, Cameron and Hawkins are in such good form. Um but I'm going to direct the attention to the other end of the ground. I think the form of Tom Stewart, I don't think it's a revelation because he's we know what he's capable of. He's taken his game and Geelong's game to a new level. Tactically, they're using him very cleverly. They just keep releasing him and releasing him and releasing him. He's he, two or three times, 40 possessions. His intercept work is elite. And if I was the dogs particularly at this ground, um, short round, out of the centre, intercept, I would be looking very closely at what they can do with the matchup as a negating forward. And I look forward, look through it. They're all attacking buggers. You know, Waitman, Dunkley goes down there. Dunkley would be an interesting consideration because he's disciplined, he's hard, he's strong, and he has done run with jobs. And the good thing, if you're going to do that sort of job, Rowan, you've got to kick goals on Stuart. You can't do an out-and-out tag job on him. Dunkley, or, and the other bloke that's done it in other games against the likes of Stephen May is um, Zane Cordy, but he was omitted last week. If he comes in, I've just got an inkling, they've got to do something about Tom Stewart. I'll leave it at that at the moment. But I'm not sure how they're going to go about it, and and I'm pretty sure they need to. Who, who do you think's got the better form here? Now, the Doggies have won three in a row. Mm. Cats, Cats have won three of their last four, and the one defeat 
in that stretch was to St Kilda. What I'll, I'll just say quickly, what worries me about the form lines in this from a Geelong perspective is they had an okay win against Port Adelaide at the Cattery. Yes. They had an okay win against Adelaide. I mean, neither of them, I think, were, were anything to write home about. Who else did they beat, Ron? Uh, GWS is the other one they beat in this last month uh, mm. when they were playing very poorly. The one quality opponent they've come up against in that time is St Kilda, and they lost that one. I don't think they – and that was also at Marvel. I don't think they play that well at Marvel. Now, the Doggies, you can make a similar argument about them. They only beat West Coast last week. That's barely any guide these days. They struggled to beat Gold Coast. They did have a good win over Collingwood. But I, I'm a big believer in the dogs getting on rolls. I, I think when they start sort of winning, they tend to keep winning. And look, history doesn't suggest it between those two, but I'm, I'm more inclined to go for the doggies in this game than the cats. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, finally, before I give them a tip, I think that, um, oh, we forgot that English has come back into the side. So the dogs are really starting to get moving towards uh, full strength. I think the English... Blitzarves matchup. I think Geelong will keep going with Blitzarves in the ruck. Mm. Um, Keith to Hawkins. Not sure about the Cameron matchup. And of course, our young mate that we've spoken about. Um, I think DeRaya gets Stengel. I think that's really important because I don't think they want to put Daniels on him because they want to free him up. Um, going on everything we've spoken about and uh, um, summarising. The ins, the outs, the key areas. I'm I'm going for the Western Bulldogs, reasonably confidently. For uh, uh, players back settled, there's Rowan's out injured. I'm not sure if he's back. He's a chance. Um, he's a chance. Chance. A Dangerfield's not a chance. On on the three or four points that we've made, Rowan, I'm going for the Bulldogs by uh, 15 points. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, I'm I'm going a bit narrower. I'm going Bulldogs six, but. Uh... I reckon they might not have enough midfield to go around. I reckon this is one game where the absence of Paddy Dangerfield is going to be really uh, costly for them. Um, and like I said, I think the doggy's just starting to hit their straps a bit. So uh, big game for both teams. We are both going for the Western Bulldogs. Uh, all right, that is big Friday night footy. Let's talk about Saturday. Saturday afternoon at Adelaide Oval sees the Crows against the Eagles. Yes, it's the Battle of the Birds. Neither fearing too well, uh, both having had their wings clipped of late. Palmer bet where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. What do they say about this one? Well, not surprisingly, the home team, a very warm Favourite Adelaide paying $1.11. That'd be as short as they'd been for a few years, I'd suggest. West Coast, $6.70 head-to-head. What is interesting, though, is West Coast have a particularly good record both against this side and at this venue. The Eagles have won seven of their last eight clashes with Adelaide. (laughs) I can see you shaking your head. Tell me what you're shaking your head No, it's interesting how when you do these stats... There's these funny little history, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, some it's look. It it's probably counts for less than it used to, 
but I still think there are certain matchups, certain venues where, where so, sides yeah. just play well. Yeah, um, right. So that's one half of the equation. The other one, yeah. this one's even more impressive, I reckon. At Adelaide Oval, West Coast record is nine wins and three losses. Like, that's a pretty good record for a, a, a venue in another state. Um, their last visit there wasn't as fruitful. They got smashed in round six against Port Adelaide by 84 points. But, uh, well, they're getting smashed by everyone. Proof of the pudding there. West Coast have now lost seven in a row. Uh, cop this to the margins. 101, 52, 74, 75, 109, 84, 63. There's an average losing margin over the last seven games of 80 points. Adelaide, not faring a lot better. They have lost five games in a row now, and their losing margins have been 21, 36, 48, 49, and 42. Uh, injuries. Uh, Josh Rochelle, uh, he's had a severe cork thigh still being managed. Uh, they are hopeful he will be yeah. available, though. Um, Taylor Walker out of health and safety protocols uh, mid this week. Um, Jordan Butts uh, has recovered well after his concussion, uh, but he won't be available until after the Crows by next week. And the Eagles, well, same old story, 13, I think, on the injury list this week. They're hopeful McGovern. How many premiership players, Ron, can you get? In that list? Uh, yes. Uh, not that many. No. Well, Nick Natanui isn't a premiership player, don't forget, so he doesn't count. Wow. Uh, Liam Ryan. Yes. Willie Rioli. Dom Sheed. Uh, well, he's back. He's back, um, but, oh, yeah. Ger Jeremy McGovern, so three. Uh, no, yeah. No. The other guys of note on the list, Oscar Allen, uh, Tom Cole, Zach Langdon, mm. he's become important for them. Jack Petrocelli, quite like him. Yep. Uh, I have done that joke about him I used to do with Fonny. Gee, he's quick. We used to say that we, we had to say, gee, he's quick every time we mentioned Petrocelli. Um, but look, this season can't end soon enough for the Eagles. They're in a world of pain. Pretty hard to see anything other than a pretty comfortable Adelaide win. Do you concur, Rob? Is that how they're playing, Rowan? They're playing like it's around 2022. 20, well, look uh, at the margins. A, I know there's a lot of footy to be played. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I understand injuries and I understand lack of, lack of soldiers. I don't understand lack of spirit and endeavour and fight. I don't know where this has come from and why. Well, you know but, what I'm going to say here, don't you? No, don't. <laughs> don't for the eighth time, don't say this all changed when they brought their players back. It did. Right? Adelaide, 42-point loss, but there were good patches. There were good patches. They were in the game off and on. Um, I hope they get Rochelle back and Taylor Walker because that gives them an extra bite up forward. Dawson and Brody Smith have been excellent. And and Riley O'Brien came back to form. He had a great game. And, of course, uh, Rory Lee continues uh, his stellar performance as a, a midfielder from a halfback over the last couple of years. What to make of the Eagles? Well, you said they had a core of eight to ten premiership players last week. Uh, Darling found some form. But the main thing is spirit, energy, aggression, passion to play and passion to win. It's very hard to analyse a side purely on injuries um, because you take the other stuff for granted. I, I'm, I'm thinking Adelaide uh, are heading for a comfortable win. I'm not saying it's going to be similar. I do understand uh, the West Coast Eagles in in any other year 
or any under circumstances would feel very much up for this. It's a great record against Adelaide and from memory, you know, you think about them, yep, they have played well, but it's not going to happen. And uh, I think the Crows will win by 31 points. You know, um, just quickly, one thing that really strikes me about the Eagles too is how vanilla they look. Now, you're looking at that injury list. Who are their spark players? They're Willie Rioli, Liam Ryan. Well, they're both out injured with hamstrings. Petrocelli gives them real pace. He's He's been out. He's quick. He's very good. You're learning fast. Um, He's he's out as well. Uh, Nick Natanui goes without saying. Like all their brilliant players that are exciting, that give them some energy and some spark, um, aren't there. And, and, you know, apart from everything, you know, they've just got this real pedestrian, vanilla, bog ordinary look about them. And and they are a dispirited lot. There's no question about that. It's going to be a really long half season for them. It might be a really long few years for them to be perfectly honest, because whilst they've turned other poor years around pretty quickly, I think the troubles this time are deeper seated and uh, might take a few years to fix up. Um, I am, you are going for Adelaide by 31 points. I am going for Adelaide by 32 points. All right. That is the first game on Saturday. There's one uh, Saturday twilight and it's up in Darwin. T.O. Oval, Darwin is the venue for a second week in a row for Gold Coast after that uh, smashing of Hawthorne last week, 67 points. That was on a Saturday night. This game, Saturday twilight. I wonder uh, how big a difference that'll make to the conditions, both not only in terms of the heat, but uh, the dew slippery factor. 4.35pm, T.O. Oval is the start time. Gold Coast up against North Melbourne. What do Palmer vets say? Well, they say, of course, you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to them. Remember to gamble responsibly. And as has been the case every other week this season, North Melbourne, a rank outsider. Gold Coast paying $1.07 head-to-head. I would suggest, Robert, that is the shortest price you've ever been able to get on Gold Coast in their entire Mm. 11-season history. Uh, yep, no doubt. North Melbourne paying $8.70 head-to-head. Uh, Gold Coast now had three games at TO and they're 1-2 thereafter, breaking the ice on the victory front against Hawthorne last week. They are playing some really good footy now and they are a very serious finals chance. They've won three of their last four games now, the Suns. Uh, stark contrast to their opponent. North Melbourne have now lost nine games in a row. And, uh, well... Here's some heavy defeats for you. Their last seven games after uh, pushing Sydney all the way to within 11 points, here's the losing margins of North's last seven games. 53, 47, 69, 78, 50, 60, 68. In those seven straight defeats, the narrowest margin is 50 points. That's not a great rap. Uh, They haven't played in Darwin before too, which I'd suggest is significant because they're not the easiest conditions in the world to adjust to, particularly when you're coming straight out of a freezing Melbourne winter, Rob. You've been up there a lot. That is a significant factor, isn't it? Well, my word it is. And uh, it's one of the reasons uh, we were both pretty bullish about their performance uh, leading up to the Hawthorne game. Look, I know you've got the, uh, the bomb weather 
radar up there on your <laughs> on your screen. Which and screen? It is, Which screen? Uh, the weather the weather channel you've got that going because i'm going to ask you 4 30 in darwin is that just have they got they haven't got daylight saving have they right so uh, no no, just they don't. A, they don't. no i think that's slippery i think it, the dew's starting to come down not the dew the um humidity and i think it'll be very very slippery you've got a consistently strong football team that's uh progressing and moving quickly uh based on a very, very basic game plan, strong clearances, direct football, get it inside football against what is what we see from the outside folks, North supporters. Uh, what we look at is a fragile side, uh, seemingly lacking on-field direction, leadership, um, well-documented discussion on North Melbourne. They appear strong words, but uh, we, we acknowledge a rebuild, so many players have plateaued under this current system at the moment, and we're looking for a few breakaway players to come through. Chol and Casbolt been terrific, right? Their pressure, their physical game will really, really test North. If they have an appetite for the contest in these conditions against a smaller, less physical side, um, they're going to do a hell of a lot of damage here, Rowan. Can I just say, uh, now seeing I've gone to the trouble of looking up the forecast, tell you what, the weather this time of year up there is pretty consistent. I'm looking at the seven-day <laughs> seven forecast. Oh, and, no. And the predicted maximum every single day is either 32 or 33. So the forecast oh, for Saturday is maximum 33, mostly sunny. There is a 10% chance of rain. Um, so it's going to be pretty hot. Um, you'd imagine the humidity will be right up there, though obviously not as humid as it'll be yeah. sort of January, February in the midst of the wet season. What about uh, in terms of personnel? Yeah. Um, some good news, incidentally, for Rory Thompson. He's going to be out for a few weeks yet, but wasn't the full catastrophe and he's avoided a third knee reconstruction. So he'll be back in a month or so. Um, they've got a pretty full list at the moment, the Suns, apart from the obvious Ben King, who's out for the whole year. Actually, Jack Lukosius, he's out oh, for yeah, a few weeks. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about him. Yeah, what? no, he's still about four weeks away. Oh, okay. Uh, North, on the other hand, well, they don't have the sort of list that can withstand injuries to too many key players at all. And unfortunately, they've got them. Now, Ben Cunnington, he's been missing all year, and that's been a huge, savage blow for them. Cam Zerha, he's going to miss the next fortnight with a foot injury. That's key for them. Ben Mackay, he's been out with a knee injury. That's been important. Here's a chance to return, though. Callum Coleman-Jones, tight quad, no certainty to play. Um, and then a few more. Bona Hall-Pollock, probably not back until after the bye. So um, they're doing it pretty tough in terms of personnel and missing some of their more important players. They, mm. They and are, I think, um, Mackay back would be important to pick up Chol yep. or um, Kasbolt, but he's a line ball. The Zerha one, I didn't do a lot of reading today. The Zerha one has thrown me uh, because I thought that was half a chance where they could make it interesting because um, with Collins and Larky, a very, very good matchup, you would have hoped that Zerha would have taken advantage of that and to be a goal kicker. Um, uh, for me, 
Gold Coast far too strong on the ball. I can see, I don't know who's going to go with Took Miller. I don't know how they're going to keep up with him. They've also got um, uh, his his two amigos there in Anderson and um, Rao. Rao, who's really coming back into good form. I think it'll be a dominant display, providing them, their heads are in the game. The conditions suit them. They've had a week's practice up there. Um, well, not a week's practice. They practiced in the game. And uh, I can't see anything other than a... Oh, look, it depends if it does rain and all that sort of thing. But this is another 50-plus for me based on the style, the system, the confidence and the physicality of the uh, Gold Coast Suns up against North. Yeah, 50, another 58-pointer. 58. I am going for Gold Coast by 40 points. All right, that is Saturday afternoon and Saturday twilight. Let's talk about Saturday evening. Well, big game Saturday night at the MCG. Really looking forward to this. The battle of the capital cities, Melbourne, taking on Sydney, 7.25 at the MCG. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Demons, despite that rare loss last week. Obviously, the Demons still favourites for this one. Head-to-head, they are paying $1.27. Sydney paying $3.81. Bit of history. Melbourne have won only three of the last 18 games against the Swans. And that's a run going back. <laughs> Another one of these figures. That yeah, you... yeah. Well, wow. you know, I mean, that one's not that surprising. Sydney's been a pretty good team most of that time. Oh, North. and Melbourne haven't, pretty of course. Ordinary. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. That goes back to 2006. Melbourne did prevail by nine points at the MCG last year. Sydney, um, not too bad at the MCG. They have won five of the last seven. Personnel, however, though, Rob, will play a huge part in this game. And to that end, I think we all wait with uh, bated breath on Lance Franklin's tribunal hearing, which we were supposed to know about and have determined already. But uh, as we speak, we are waiting till 5 o'clock Wednesday evening to hear that because Sydney was unable to access its legal counsel and sought an extension so it could have that legal counsel available. That has been granted. So we're not going to know until after we record this podcast whether Buddy will play or not. Would that change your tip, Mr Shaw? Uh, just before I do, that f- famous two words, Rowan, legal counsel. It's crept into the terminology of AFL, VFL football over the last 20 years, hasn't it? Everyone's got legal counsel. Listen. Um, I might need it after uh, that opening salvo against the Essendon Footy Club. No, I don't think you will, mate. <laughs> go on, go you can't penalise people from uh, A, talking facts, and B, talking from the, from the heart. Truth um, is a defence. Well, yeah. you had evidence. You had evidence. You used it. Yeah. Listen, um, so the centre back Petty went off with a bit of an ankle, so I'm not sure how he's travelling. And, of course, May is definitely out. So let's get our heads around the Franklin Appeal, which is uh, this evening at 5 o'clock. So, oh, dear. It, it it's very hard because if Franklin's out, that evens it out, and I would go for Melbourne. But if, um, as we saw last week, Lobb and Tabernar, uh cut a bit of a sway through the Melbourne defence after that happened, and they were well supplemented by Walters, Schultz, um, 
they really worried Melbourne at ground level. There are some, a bit of a, not that Melbourne need a silver lining, but I think Langdon's ready to go. I know Salem's ready to go, but gee, after 10 weeks, would they put him back in? They they may well do. Uh, knowing, knowing the boy from school, he's a very, very good recoverer once he's over his injury. Um, they're going to be two important players. I'm not who, and they've got one or two others. Look, oh, it's a hard game. Tomlinson will come in for May. Uh, and if Franklin's out, that cancels each other out. And I'd be more inclined to tip Melbourne under those circumstances. Um, just quickly, Payne, just, just yeah, quickly on Sydney's potency. Um, they are ranked third at the moment for points scored. It's a different sort of forward dynamic to what Freo have, I suppose. Um, Who's they that, do, um, Sydney. But, yeah, but they do they do have their share of sort of medium-sized goal kickers too, don't they? Guys like Will Haywood, uh, et cetera, can, can chip in with goals for them as well. So May's absence is a real problem for the Demons, isn't it? And, and I love the combination. You know, he's been hamstrung literally all through his career, Reid. He's probably hasn't ever got a real great run at it. A very talented footballer, but that just looked a great a great combination, Reed and Franklin. Mm. It's going to fall on Reed. Uh, Lever probably goes to him. Petty, if he gets up, um, I, I would be um, quite surprised if Sydney can win this without Lance Franklin. And given the fact that they do play well, they definitely play well at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, this is a real line ball. Oliver was tagged out of the game in the second half by Aish. Have Sydney got a run with tagging type player? Will they follow that lead? Pratarka's not going to play as badly. He was crook as a dog. That's not an excuse. That's just a fact. And he only had a dozen or so possessions. Um, expect a strong reaction from Melbourne. Very confident in Franklin's out. And um, hey, quickly. Yes. Well, what what about uh, we haven't mentioned the ruck because Tom Hickey, um, I don't know if he's touch or go, but he's uh, he's not definitely over the line. He's got a, a toe injury and face. Yeah, but what a, about the ruck? A and test. You're not happy with Laddams? No, oh, he's okay, but I mean he's, he's very in, good, Rowan. Yeah, he's right, very he's, good. He's a number against, one. You're, you're up talk, against the Premiership ruck. You're talking about a second stringer, a backup in Tommy Hickey. Tommy Hickey's been relegated to, um, you know. Second wicket down. Big, yeah, big Laddams is opening the batting and has been a very good find for Sydney. Don't you want both of them up against Gorn and Jackson? And Jackson, yeah, I do. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I do. Forgot so, about Jackson. So, we forgot about Jackson. Actually, in fairness, he's not playing that well at the moment, Luke Jackson. So um, he's got other things on his mind. What do you mean? Well, I think I'm only joking, but I think the, the offers are streaming in. From the West Coast Eagles, aren't they? Oh, Isn't he out of contract? Coast. I was going to say, Essendon wouldn't have offered him anything because he's too good. <laughs> Come on. Um, all right, let's get to the tips. So after all the equivocating oh, yeah. and agonising over Buddy. We Frank, are pontificating well, and agonising on this one. We're just going to have to go bite the bullet and have a tip. Melbourne by 17 points in a very, very good game of football, folks. You don't want to miss this one. It will be a really good game, I think. Sydney do play well at the MCG. They do, Ron. I'm going for the Demons too. And uh, last year was pretty uh, uh, narrow win. I think it was nine points. So I'm going to go something in the same order. I'm going to go for Melbourne to win by eight 
points, but uh, hopefully a really entertaining game. All right, that's Saturday done and dusted. Let's talk about Sunday. Two games on the menu on Sunday, and the first of them is at the MCG, and it sees Hawthorne taking on Collingwood. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Uh, remember to gamble responsibly. They've installed the pies as fairly warm favourites. Collingwood paying $1.48 head-to-head on Palmer bet. Hawthorne paying $2.67. Uh, you can check out those Palmer bet odds closer to game time too, either uh, on their website or on their app, which goes pretty well too. I've had a good look at it. Now, here's another bit of compelling history for you, Rob, oh, no. although I think given uh, current form, this one probably means less, but Hawthorne have won 13 of their last 15 games against the Magpies, uh, and all bar one of those games has been at the MCG. This year, however, though, the Hawks haven't been going that well at the MCG. They have won two and lost four there. The Pies, in contrast, have won four there, and lost two. And arguably the best of those four victories at the G came last week when they scored a terrific win over the Blues in what was a bit of an epic turning the clock back. Hawthorne, well, who can predict what the Hawks are going to do? Fantastic win against Brisbane a fortnight ago. Followed it up with an absolute stinker against Gold Coast. They might have two Ruckman available for this game coming up with uh, Max Lynch available again after concussion. How's your brief shoulder going? Oh, 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 (laughs) I was hoping you'd ask me. Uh, He needs to prove his fitness this week. And if you'd read Tom Brown's rolling Twitter updates on Ned Reeves' shoulder, you'd know that. But for those who haven't had access to Tom's Twitter account because he's blocked them, in fact, a strange thing happened with Tom. He unfollowed me and then followed me and then I gave him a whack and he unfollowed me again. But I'm not blocked as of yet. Anyway, he's taken, you can't talk to him. I like talking to Tom and he's turned off his comments. Oh, has he? Oh, yes. No, yeah. don't, don't do that if you're going to be on Twitter. No, that's very thin-skinned. You well, don't do that, Ron, and you oh, no. a fair bit. You don't turn off your comments. No, you've got to put your money where your mouth is, Rob, or whack right. of money in my case. Anyway, for those who missed the rolling Ned Reeves updates, um, he's got a fitness test coming up and may be available. Uh, Scrimshaw um, was Ooh. subbed out of the game in Darwin with concussion, and he's going to miss as well. Amira. Mm. Didn't play in that game with hamstring tightness, but should be available. As to the Pies, uh, well, uh, didn't come out of last week too badly affected. Brody Grundy, just for those interested, uh, about a month away from returning from a PCL injury. But basically, as you were for the Pies coming off that great win against Carlton, you'd expect them to win this one, wouldn't you? I, I um no, I think this is one of those ones where um Amira back in, they might get a bit of ruck because uh, obviously uh, Cox and Cameron formed a very very good combination last week. Cox is marking around the ground up forward, and particularly what I like getting back into the back line was outstanding. So let's just hope the big fella can maintain that consistency because automatically becomes a very good important player. What I liked last week and where I'm going to pick the difference is Collingwood's back line. Murphy, excellent. Quainer, excellent. Moore, he's knuckled down. Howe's very good. And Maynard and Noble on the flanks give them grit and some real run. So they're very, very settled. Uh, Hawthorne have got GS back. CJ, 
he's going to be critical. I'm glad O'Meara's back in because I was really worried. Even though they're great in and under, Newcomb and Mitchell, um, and for mine, folks, I'm not touching him up because I think um, Newcomb's leading the, I'm going back to the 80s, he's leading the Norwich Rising Star, or it's the NAB League. Rising star. I love him as a player. I'm glad you're not touching him up, by the way. Oh, well, I'm not giving him a touch-up. means (laughs) a a, a whack. No, no, no. no. Um, I I think Collingwood's advantage is with the Dacoses and the Dagoes, these sort of players that add that extra little bit of speed. They get some really good rebound. They're quite a quick side. And providing more, uh, without Gunston, providing more can do a really good job on Lewis and knuckle down to the defensive component of the game. Um, I think Collingwood can get away with the win here. Um, Degoe's going to be a massive issue for me, for uh, Hawthorne. I don't think they've got a natural matchup unless they use O'Meara when he's in the midfield. That's a pretty good matchup when he goes forward uh, in that transition role. I think he's going to be a critical player. Sicily will do okay on my check. I just think evenness across the board. I'm expecting a real response. Am I surprised if Hawthorne play like they did against Brisbane? We're certainly not because that's been the tail of the tape for them this year. But given Collingwood's back line, the improved form of their big blokes, um, I think the Pies will have a close 17-point win. Rowan? You know what I really like about the Pies, just quickly? I, I like there's a real uh, sort of sense of, adventure and fun about the way they're playing their footy now. And again, again, I'm not sort of having a whack at Nathan Buckley here, but you know, I reckon by the end of his tenure, they look like they, they, it wasn't enjoyable to play the way he wanted them to play. And Craig McRae, apart from a lot of other things, he's just freed them up. You know, they're You're giving just, Collingwood a touch up. No, I'm, I'm giving a <laughs> pat on the back. Um, they're playing a good brand of oh, footy and, yeah. and, and and the kids are responding to it. And and look at the way, for example, Nick Dacos comes on board and Josh has gone, hang on, I'm not going to let you be the most, the preeminent Dacos. And he's playing fantastic footy at the moment. And Ginevan, you know, he's okay. He's cheeky and everyone's going to knock his block off, but he's given them something. You uh, know, Elliot's a great in. Uh, he, They've really yeah, missed yeah, him. Yeah. Well, just, just adds that dimension. Yeah, Gine- no, a really good player. Ginevan's the icing on the cake. My check's reliable. Um, There's and, a bit of spark uh, about him, though, now. Do you, and you... Henry, seven goals in two games. Yeah. So that, that forward line is starting to look good. Yeah. And, of course, I, I've given the back line a huge rap. That's why I think Collingwood will get over the line uh, and it'll, it won't be easy because yes. we're going to see a pretty good version of Hawthorne. Do you want to give me a tip? Twice, do you? I was yeah. like giving my tip and you just hijacked it completely. But uh, that's Did I right. say 17 points? You that's did. How, that's how close I think it'll be. <laughs> well, I'm close to your tip as well because I'm going for Collingwood by 16 points. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty confident the Hawks will give a much better account of themselves than they did last week. We're still doing – actually, by – not intentional, we're still doing, we're still doing odds and evens, aren't we? Uh, well, I'm intentionally doing it because that's what I do. Uh, I'm 17. Yeah, no, you had one You had one even oh, there, but I didn't pick you up on it. Which one was it? Uh, Gold Coast. You went Gold Coast 58 points. 
No, I'm in 57. It's okay. an error. All right, I'll change yeah, it. Sorry. I'll change it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, right, uh, all right. That is Sunday afternoon, which leaves just one game in this six-game round, and that is, in my view, oh, everyone's view, surely, the game of the round. Let's talk about it. Well, let's hope, and all indications are, this game will be a cracker. It is between Fremantle and Brisbane. Second and third on the ladder is in Perth at Optus Stadium, 5.20pm Eastern Standard Time. That is 3.20pm local time. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly, of course. Have Fremantle, not surprisingly, as the home team favourite. They are paying $1.71 head-to-head. Brisbane, though, decent price. They are paying $2.15. Interesting history between these two. Frio won nine games in a row against Brisbane between 2010 and 16. But since then, Brisbane has won five out of six against the Dockers. And the other one, the only one they lost, was in Perth. And that was by just one point. In fact, I remember that. That was Michael Wilders kicking a point after the siren. Brisbane has played three times now at Optus Stadium. And they have a 2-1 record there. Well, form. Uh, Brisbane got the job done against GWS. Not necessarily outstanding, but uh, got back on the winner's list after that reversal against Hawthorne. However... Uh, I don't think their form matched that of their opponent because that uh, slashing third quarter by the Dockers against Melbourne, that was, in my view, the quarter of this season by any team. Fantastic footy. Surely it's given them plenty of confidence. There are some personnel issues. Tabiner, uh pulled up sore after oh, back no. spasms. No. Uh, and uh, we still don't know whether he's going to get to the line or not. He will be tested. Uh, Brisbane, Joe Danner has still a couple of weeks away. Uh, the big one for them is Hugh McLuggage. Um, real decent chance to come back this week, and that would be important. A one-week hamstring, Rowan. To their midfield. Would that just be one? Yeah, I guess it would be. Uh, well, it's possible. Mm. It, might have, it might have just had a twinge. Anyway, this should be a All great right. game between two of the best sides going around at the moment. How do you see this one? Well, I'm going to say that the big bloke will get up. So the two matchups I'm looking for, Adams and Andrews versus Tabiner and Lobb, will have a significant say in the result of this game. Um, Fremantle are a side that like to run more. Brisbane are a side that like to kick more. That's not a revelation. Uh, they like to really take the game on, Fremantle. Uh, but Brisbane, once again, they're a high-scoring team. They've averaged 16 goals a game this year. And that's based on, you know, without Danaher and without Hipwood, that's been based on the work of uh, McCarthy, Cameron, Bailey, this unique group of uh, medium, medium, well, they're not small, medium forwards at ground level. Can I just uh, tell you, sorry, just on that, yeah. like they are by some margin the league's heaviest scoring side. They are more mm. than 100 points ahead of the next closest side in yeah. terms of points scored, which oh. obviously is a bit, it's close enough to two goals per game better than the next highest scoring team. And they're well in front of Fremantle. I think Fremantle only average 11. And, uh, um, well, Freo are ranked 12th for points scored. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why Fremantle are so good at uh, they accept that. But it's quite interesting, that, Rowan, because with uh, Tabiner, Lobb, 
Swakowski's back into the side this week. They've got Walters and they've got the dynamic Schultz. They do have a pretty potent forward line down there, Fremantle. The point I was going to make, though, on this, though, is you've got uh, officially the AFL's best forward line against uh, the best back line because Fremantle are officially number one for fewest points conceded at the moment. Uh, they oh, are averaging... Great, that, that is a... That's a ripper stat. That's the one we need, Rowan. Mm. And um, I know that's come up on your stats board up there. Look, last week, GWS quite rightly identified Daniel Rich. They did a great job. Only Matt DeBoer did that one, right? They did okay on Lockie Neal for a half, but then they kept young Perryman on him too long. Caniglio should have gone to him when uh, when the kids started to tire, and that was a significant um, influence of the game. This game was only fourteen points. Remember, Ron, it wasn't a it wasn't a, uh, a throwaway. Yep. So I'm I'm saying that if Ace did such a good job on Oliver, and I don't think Oliver and Neil are unsimilar, then I'm saying that uh, the way. Uh, Longmuir plans, like last week he put Griffin Logue to May. He's happy to do that. He's happy to play defensive forward. He's happy to play uh, a, a tagging. I think Ace will get the job from the word go. Um, GWS did a great job in clearances and, and Fremantle are pretty good in that area with the likes of uh, Brayshaw and Sarong and, of course, Brody. Um you know what I'm I'm just while you're pondering that, I'm I gonna be I'm gonna moment. be really interested to see the sort of brand Freo play against Brisbane because Brisbane, you know, attacking side. Um, you know, Freo are great at locking sides down, but I know I'm gonna keep laboring the point on this. They just went up several levels in my estimation with that fantastic brand of footy they played in that third quarter. You know they were they were uh, unscripted. They were unpredictable. The likes of Michael Frederick, he made a really big important difference. I'd mm. like to see them continue that, and I actually reckon that's probably their best chance of upsetting Brisbane. Yeah, I've got no doubt about that. I'm looking forward to the Pierce Logue matchup with uh, McStay and Hipwood. What Hipwood two or three under his belt? We might see a little bit more from him once he regains his confidence. So there's matchups at either end of the ground. Midfield matchups are good. We've got um, McInerney versus uh, Darcy. That's another matchup. And there's no doubt this is the match of the day. McCluggage, well, he's 50 50. You'll probably miss again. I'm going with the home ground advantage. I think Ace will do a good job in the midfield on Neil. And uh, I think we're going to see a real continuation, not of the decimation that uh, Fremantle put on Melbourne in that third quarter. But I think they're going to win this game and uh, based on the home ground advantage and uh, their capacity, which I think we will see, their capacity to nullify this potentially dangerous uh, Brisbane forward thrust. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's another 15-pointer for me. For the All right. Uh, well, I'm going for not the narrowest possible margin but uh close to it i'm going for Fremantle to win this by just two points in what i suspect might be an absolute epic and i'll tell you what wow strange things going on here rob because 
unbelievable stuff. We have, for the first time all season, what? We've both tipped the same teams in every game. Okay. Uh, good to see you trying to uh, just you pick, got piggyback it, off it, my tips. Is there an tips, update on that, Ron? Did I pick? I was four down, which yeah. doesn't worry me in the least because there's a lot of footy to be played yet. Yeah. Um, did I pick up a, a couple last no, week? No, you didn't. In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure that you slipped another one behind. So that uh, it's a five-tip oh, deficit yeah. now. And uh, yeah. I've I'll, I'll just got to make sure I tip what you tip for the rest of the year and I'll win. I had 52. You had 56. Where would that put us in the Friday paper Herald Sun uh, tipping order on? Midfield? I don't know. I refuse to read uh, anything published by Rupert Murdoch, Rob. Oh, so... of course. What do you read? <laughs> I read Pravda. Who, um... publishes the, who publishes the Weekly Times? The, the Weekly Times. Uh, well, that was used to be the Herald Weekly Times. Oh, well, um, it must be Murdoch. Must be Murdoch, yeah. So I he's an know. excerpt. He... Yeah, no, can't read that either. No, no, look, I do read the Herald Sun. I just, I haven't bothered to look at their tips, but I will. I'll put that on my list of things to do. Robbo's got a big article tomorrow calling on them to give Kevin Sheedy the keys. Do you really want me to respond to that? No. I, in fact, no, I have. I don't. No. I, I, in fact, that, uh, that article was in the Herald Sun today. Is it today's uh, paper? Well, today's paper, it was actually up online uh, yesterday. Uh, it was an interesting piece. I'm not going to have a crack at Robbo here. I it was, yeah, I haven't read it because it doesn't open on my phone. Well, there's a lot of detail in it. However, I just think the idea of letting Kevin Sheedy run amok doing a review uh, about a contemporary football department is a recipe for... Uh, interesting times. So I don't, uh, fair to say, I don't agree with that. Anyway, we're not going to finish this show the way we started at ranting about Essendon. That is it, though. Um, that is all six games previewed. Uh, thanks again to our wonderful podcast sponsors, Palmerbet, uh, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Uh, remember to gamble responsibly. If you want to be a financial supporter, of the Footyology podcast, a couple of ways you can do that. You can visit the uh, supporter page, uh, thanks to ACAST, wherever you listen to the Footyology podcast, or become an official Footyology patron uh, for $7 Australian a month, and those links are up on the Footyology website. You got something you want to add there, Rob? I want to, I want to focus on the word contemporary. Would you be a more relaxed and happier... If they've done their review and they're going to use Wellman, Sheedy and Madden, right? What if they made it a five panel with Hodge and Pavlich? Uh, that would, uh, I would be more satisfied with that, yes. So why? But, but the, well, the key to me isn't the necessarily, yeah, no, the key is a contemporary face, but it's more that it's someone from outside the bubble. When was Simon the last time in a coaching box? My great mate, and I want to stress that. I love the bloke. Oh, Long time friend, 40, 50 years. I'm not sure he's... Man, it'd be a while, I'd suggest. Yeah, it'd be a while. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can become an official Footyology patron okay. at the website. We're going all over the shop here. No, that's uh, okay. We will be back on Sunday night to dissect all six games being played in uh, round 12. Uh, thanks to your company. Uh, hope Didn't your do team... any music. No music. 
Well, hang, I hope your team gets a win. And uh, well, right. one one good positive, Rob. We don't have to worry about what happens to Essendon this week. Good luck to Lance Franklin this afternoon. And uh, also, let's hope Essendon doesn't, in fact, lose the bye because uh, that's about how well they are travelling at the moment. Uh, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next time.